0: Hey y'all, welcome back to ODAT, One Day at a Time, featuring your host, Karina F. Daves, here where I love to interview what I like to call the true hustlers of the world. Today we're going to talk about a subject that's a little bit touchy, um, which involves envy. Have you ever found yourself being envious of others, of the things other people have, the people that other people have, the jobs or careers or money that people have. Um, And so we are going to talk about that and how that evolves and today i have a very special guest with me and all of my guests are special by the way my good friend tamaya yancy simmons who has her own podcast as well with her co-creator talisa patrick it's called three to one podcast check it out i'm gonna put a link in this podcast somewhere to it Um, so i've known tamaya at this point i want to say close to maybe seven eight years and Tamaya and Talisa did a recent podcast titled Don't Envy Evolve. And y'all, it was one of the most hilarious, inspiring, like backflash to middle school episodes that I've listened to. I laughed so hard and I wanted to bring her on this episode to really just talk about envy and how we evolve from that. So what I like to do is give all of my guests about 30 seconds to introduce themselves. They can say whatever they want about themselves. They don't even have to include their jobs. So Tamaya, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Ready, set, go.
1: Hi, my name is Tamaya Yancey. I am a writer. I am a creator. I am happy. Um, (laughs) I'm a mom and I'm a wife. I have dreams and aspirations and goals that I am currently working on, especially during quarantine season, amen, where I am writing um, a book series, fantasy series, which I love fantasy, addicted to it. And I'm also um, in works of writing a screen play that I have been working on for years now. It takes a little bit of time, just got to focus and determination and consistency. That's the key. Um, so I, but I also write on my blog, thevirginpen.com, V-E-R-G-I-N-P-E-N.com, where I literally just write out my feelings, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. And that is my release in the meantime, while I'm George R.R. R. Martin and on these books and, <laughs> and screenplays, um, which will be out eventually. Um, in the meantime, though, a passion of mine is working with my best friend, um, my soulmate friend, Uh, To Lisa Patrick on our 3 to 1 podcast, Three Words, Two Friends, One Wish, where we wish our audience, have a wish for our audience at the end of every episode. It has been the most fun, exciting, productive thing that I have done since all the talk, all the big talk I put out in college of all the big things I would do, as most of you probably also have um, experience with. And so this is an awesome podcast. It's all about relatability. It's all about honesty, and it's all about humor. Um, our tagline is live, laugh, listen, and I am so glad or laugh, live, listen, sorry. And I'm so glad that I was called upon by my good friend, Karina, to actually come out and be interviewed about it. I'm like, woo stressful, but exciting. So obviously somebody's listening. So I'm excited. And just because I
0: love you. I let you go on for more than 30 seconds. On it. You no, know. just so right. you know. Get it, tight. Get, it tight. get it right. Get it tight. Yep don't envy evolve so maya talk to us a little bit about the inspiration for this topic like were you feeling something that week what was going through your mind
1: well a lot of things that we were doing um each each episode is a three-word title and one of the things we were doing is i would have a quote book i have a lot of quotes and books and cards in the house and i would just grab one to see what should we talk about today and I remember one of them. Um, there was a quote in there that I can't remember now, but it was a lot to do with just being envious of others. And I'm like, hmm, I can relate to this. Everyone can relate to this at some point or another, whether they admit it or not. Um, and then we just kind of went back and forth with different wording. It was like, don't envy evolve, because we wanted some type of inspiration behind that, not to just don't envy, but what do you do with when what do you do with that envy if you do get caught up in that? um and so yeah then they came out that's how i was feeling i was just literally looking through quotes
0: so talk to me about your first memory of being envious
1: i would say and i don't even know if i mentioned this on the podcast my first situation of feeling envious was i grew up with a older sister but she didn't want to do with me because she's an older sister and um at least not when i was a kid and two cousins who i absolutely adore and love and we grew up together we were the three amigos if you will on the neighborhood my family however is um a mix between lighter skinned and darker skinned i was actually the darker skin of that household uh, my mom and my my father was darker skinned so i came out super dark brown i'm darker than i am now actually i miss it miss the tone um, but my cousins my aunts everyone else very light skinned and on the neighborhood um, it was pointed out. It didn't matter to us. When we walked out those doors, it was pointed out, um, you know, my cousins are prettier. Uh, you have a great personality, but like, but she's really pretty. She's really cute. It was like all the attention of beauty and everything was put on my lighter skinned cousins um, and not me. And it was the first time I realized, you know, or first time I was made aware of of beauty and skin complexion and why the two need to be you know exclusive or whatever with each other it was it was rough at first like and especially when one of my cousins had a really not too great attitude about personality about life like she just felt like she was above all yeah um, and love her to death and she has grown since then and I remember people literally telling me like like I really like you and like hanging out with you but she's just so pretty or they'll be like oh she's so pretty but her personality good and these are kids who would say this kids I'm like you wow. more really realize that you're eight years of ten years of age <laughs> but they would just be like she like she's really pretty on the outside but really ugly on the inside mm.
0: and
1: it made me focus on the, the good thing about you know not being necessarily put into the whole you are just so gorgeous you don't have to do anything internally because you're so externally pleasing was i looked a lot into my in- internally i Realize my personality, realize my humor. I worked on that, but it took many, many years for me to realize that externally I was something to look at too.
0: Mm, amen. So from that moment, like you had to basically recreate yourself at mm-hmm. what, like eight, ten years old, like continually mm. tell yourself that you were enough at such a young age. Yeah. Wow. So there's this quote that, re- that always reminds me of the situation that I want to share, and it's regarding a, a bird, and it says basically that um, a bird isn't a bird until you tell the child that it's a bird. And so for many years, the child looks at this image and has all of these imaginations of what it could be and what it should be and sort of formulates their life you know, just very carelessly and doesn't really mm-hmm. care. And so when I was about 11 or 12, mm-hmm. I really wasn't fixated on my body. Um, while we did have health class, I wasn't fixated on, you know, if my boobs were big enough or mm-hmm. if I was too fat. Like I wasn't thinking about those things yet. And I didn't have family members that told me I looked bad in a different way. I went to a predominantly white grammar school in Lynnhurst, New Jersey. And when I got there, um, a part of me did feel different, but I didn't want it to get to me. Until one day, I was running to music class, and I had shorts on, and I'll never forget this this boy with brown hair who I'm thinking his name is Anthony. So Anthony comes up to me and he says, your thighs are so big they jiggle, it's disgusting. Jeez. And then I sat in music class so ashamed of my big thighs. And now we got women with my same size thighs making millions of dollars. Millions, (laughs) because of those thighs. And because of that yes and so that was the first time that I remember feeling envious of the white younger middle school girls and mm-hmm. their blue eyes and their blonde hair like I remember my whole world changed like I remember I felt like a movie Maya I felt like I had seen myself one specific way and was careless Mm. about it. I still was a child. Mm. And when he made that comment about my thighs, it was like, it was like, um, the matrix, like my whole body morphed and slowly I looked around and all these blue eyes and blonde hair and freckles and sunshine and beautiful, you know, non-dirty shoes and jeans. That fit nicely and no roles. Like I just, everything changed. Like,
1: everything. like Adam and Eve with the apple. Like once the devil brought in that acknowledgement of something that that awareness and made it into like a negative thing. Yes. Once they took the bite of the apple, then they noticed themselves and everything around them and all all the things that were once wonderful and beautiful and pure. Yes. Turned just turned into with shame. God
0: was gone. It was gone. and I was so, I was 11. And then everything I saw was different. Like every show I watched, I watched Mm -hmm. a different lens. Every food I ate, I ate differently. And, you know, thank God I didn't end up having any eating issues or anything um, because of that. But I just remember feeling so scarred. And that was literally the pivotal beginning of my insecurity issues security. like i yeah i remember that was the beginning wow sure and i'll never and then and then everything just trickled effect. like that, everything yeah. spiraled after that then college then curly hair then makeup then you know i remember even thinking like i can't even do my makeup all i have are long eyelashes <laughs> Like, cause you know, then the makeup industry blew up and I couldn't catch up, you know, and these are real things that happened and I believe it happened to other people. And then, you know, curling products and then skinny jeans. When last week I was wearing bell bottoms and I was like, ah, I can't keep up with this. You know, it's time after time. And then the introduction of social media. I mean, that rocked everybody's worlds, but like, and you
1: can hide from it. You couldn't even just be at home and, and be yourself and free. Now it's literally in your phone. It's everywhere. It's
0: everywhere. So from that day where you, or from that period of your life where you were basically told that you didn't meet the standard of beauty, what did you, what would you say? Like, was that something that you tackled and you never had to come back? Or is that something that in different ways, it's shown its face in your life.
1: It was they have you know um, this the the hair that's supposed to come with the lighter skin or you know I always had big wonderful long wonderful hair, but it was always super thick. It it, it was all it was the perfect stereotype of dark skin, super thick kinky hair. Like I literally just fit that stereotype, and it was a fight between you know. Um, uh what from that point on finding out you know oh I'm also not only hairy on my head but I'm hairy on my legs I'm hairy on my arms the I believe we did talk about this in the the podcast and all the other girls who you know in gym class and their shorts they got to shave and then realized girl you're so hairy now I'm like dang now I'm dark skinned and I'm hairy and I'm skinny I have nothing No, (laughs) no butt no thigh I am the stick and it is a difference the class and societal difference of when you're in a school that's predominantly um african-american or, or people of color and you're in a school that is primarily caucasian and the the figures that are approved to be the figures to have in those situations mm. um, i probably would have been great in your school with it being like the stick and that was the figure to have but in primarily a school of people of color with latina People, African-American people all had bodies boom 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 beautiful like shapes and everything I was the oddball out and so I was the one who hadn't developed enough I was the one who was not only dark skin and skinny so now all those things put together I was a cute little girl but all those things together at that time I'm ugly I don't got no body to even look at since they don't want my face you know what I mean and my hair is big and kinky and I begged my mother can I shave my legs can I straighten my hair all of these things, it just, like you said, it spiraled out of control yeah. for a very long time. I remember even going in college to the Black Student Union. They had meetings where we actually, I think they had a meeting before with perms versus um, natural hair. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I remember literally getting my hair doobied, fresh permed and doobied that day and walking in like flipping <laughs> my hair and everything. Like, I'm on this side. Oh, you know, the argument. <laughs> And then a year later, I got locked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, this yeah. identity crisis of it all and like how comfortable I, I ended up feeling. But it took a while, it took a while to get there. I didn't get there until probably into college. And each time, each year, I feel like I'm somewhere else. I'm a little bit better. Yeah, and you know, like all
0: these standards, I think it's so difficult to keep up. And one thing I have to continue reminding myself is like, there's only one standard that I should be trying to come on now and that's God's standard. He's Mm -hmm. my only standard. And I think that I forget about that because throughout our lives, like what so when we're young, what hits us is like the standard of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we get to college, it's like the standard of education and success. Mm -hmm. And then we go out to do our job and it's the standard of Relationships. We should, the standard is that we should be married by a certain age, have kids by a certain age, have a house, own equity by a certain age. And all these standards, it's like a full on blow attack constantly that we're having to fight. And some, and I like to talk to other women about what their recipe for not spiraling emotionally out of control and just keeping faith, keeping their faith in you know, their own sort of ideologies that they're going to be okay are. Like, so in those moments, like, I know we're talking about the standard of beauty. I can say that for me, I've had to constantly just tell myself that I I I can't compare myself to the, you know, Karens and, you know, Lisa's and Monica's and Betty's. Mm-hmm. Because, and I can't even compare myself to the you know the rositas and whatever because i I, i'm just me i'm god just made me this way and unless i have like loads of cash for plastic surgery which i won't do this is just me wrinkles and all like this is me um and you know all
1: these standards that try to pull you further and further away from god and kind of solidify you more and more on this earth earth that we all live on but that's not permanent
0: Right. It's not. And so, and then you get to college and like college is a pool of competition. I know it's a place where we meet other people, but college is also very competitive and it might be competitive secretly. I'm sorry, but it is like, what GPA do you have? What class are you taking? You know, Mm -hmm. what'd you get an Xbox? I was like, dang. You know, like I remember <laughs> getting a C plus in basic comp and being told you ain't, you ain't going to make it in Expos, but thank God I had a Puerto Rican Expos teacher who loved me and literally would give me back my Expos papers full of red ink. Like it was like blood was dripping from them mm. and he just wanted to make me a better writer. And I was like, right. oh, well, he really worked with me instead of just, you know, pushing me off. Um, yeah. so back to my question my original question to you is like as you've gone through your life and evolved how do you consistently convince yourself to step away from those spirits and 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 sort of like thoughts of envy because they didn't stop when you were 11 right
1: no they kept going and they, and then like you said even with social media right like so like you said um college is a pool of competition and that is that is so true like you know from you know, how do you, how do you, how do you look, how, uh, what classes are you passing? Um, what majors are you taking? What relationships are you formulating while you're there? Cause these are the last times or last chance you may get to really formulate some really long lasting and great relationships. Um, I'd say like, I remember certain people taking like same classes I was, but they also had internships at these huge places, um, from Wendy Williams to, you know abc news to all these different things and it's like trying to catch up and run and catch up to, to to be with them or be on that level and then social media graduating i'm home i'm fine i'm i'm gonna make it i'm gonna figure out my life figure out this career and then you're on social media with those same friends and the competition is spilled over into your home life into your everyday life now because now you get to see all the things that they've become and all the things that they are are doing in life whether they are full-blown reporters or they're on tv every day and you're like i was sitting next to her and it's like instead it was just it took a moment to instead of um literally kind of envying that envying where they were to look within and see where i'm supposed to be for me because mm-hmm. yes a oh, friend of mine, or a person who's an in internship with me, is now a full-blown reporter who's gotten an Emmy. Mm. Did I ever want to be a reporter like that? No, honey. So why are you feeling like that? I hated reporting, wow. I
0: hated
1: a reporter, and it depressed me. I, I, you know, I wrote stories that I felt like were really good. Pets. Uh, I wrote a story about an ALS survivor. Um, who was well, they they have since passed, but the ALS survivor actually what four. Uh, they usually, once you diagnose with ALS, they give you maybe two to five years to live. And that person, they they were trying to get a van that had a ramp so that they'll be able to like transport um, this person throughout the city and everything like that. But the insurance wouldn't cover it because they say, well, if you live in two to five years, we don't want to really spend the money. Yeah. Well, you have the ramp. Yes, so I reported on that, their lives, their their fight through this disease. And through that article, somebody in the neighborhood like my older mother who just passed, we had a van like that for her. i like to donate this free of charge to you guys from that story. Wonderful, I love that story. I love that I accomplished that through my words. But what do I get um, congratulated on from my colleagues? If it bleeds, it leads. The 18-year-old who drowned in the town. Wow. That's the one where everybody's calling me, congratulating me on that story. Mm -hmm. I've been told to stake out a woman's house whose son and father, because they were a father-son duo, firefighters, passed away in a fire together 3 a.m i had to be outside of that woman's house by 6 a.m to get a quote wow 20 other reporters she's barely had a moment to grieve she might have just woke up with this information you know what i mean like and nothing towards reporters you have to have a certain backbone heart and and fervor and want to to be in that field Mm -hmm. um Cause you don't realize when we're watching the news and you hear the quotes, you don't realize what they had to do to get those quotes and and, and be in that scene. That's never what I wanted to do. I am so glad I'm not reporting. So why am I envious of my friend who wanted me to be a reporter? So it had to be a look in with myself. Like, what do you even want to do? Cause you're envious of stuff you wouldn't even want to do on a daily basis. Find out what's good for you. Find out what's exciting for you. What you're like, what gives you life. Mm -hmm. and go for that and whether you end up being super super popular or just enough you know so people know and actually appreciate what you're putting out five people or 500 it's exciting and like doing like this podcast and writing and everything i feel like i'm fulfilling something that within me Mm -hmm. that i never even um considered would be it because i was a what i like to call a title whore for a long time I liked, I liked my titles. I like to say I am a graduate of Rutgers University with journalism and media study majors, cinema and minor, uh, my double minor in cinema studies and Africana studies. I am a reporter of the Cedar Grove and Verona News and all this. Stuff. I love my titles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was like, I would love the title more than I love what it came with in the position. And I had to open my eyes to that and realize that, you know, now I'm a media clerk in a elementary school at a library i love books and i love kids and they make me happy and mm-hmm. i don't care that the title that d- defines all that makes me feel whole and happy is media clerk mm-hmm. you know it's like so what it took a while to get there though i had to kind of look within
0: but Sorry, you know, that was
1: so long, but i looked no within. i loved it i
0: loved it but maya you know there's only one title that matters right can i can i tell you come on child of god
1: child of god
0: that's the only title that matters, but getting there constantly is a struggle. I, I, I mean, daily, I struggle with reminding myself that I'm
1: a, that I'm a child of God, daily, daily, daily. We are flesh and our hearts are fickle as humans. Yep. And we constantly re, re-aim it back to where it's supposed to be. It is hard.
0: What's difficult about all of this is that we live in a world in a constant society that shifts extremely fast Mm-hmm. and that, congratulates titles, congratulates a specific type of success. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's the problem is having to constantly stray away from that and remind yourself who you really are. And I find it very difficult. I mean, I think about even like getting married. Right. Mm -hmm. And looking around like my parents aren't together you know, and I don't really have a good standard of marriage. So I don't know if this is going to work out. And, you know, um, Molly over there with Bob, they look like they have a good marriage. And so I start thinking to myself, okay, maybe I'll make my marriage look like theirs. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I'll go on vacations and I'll make sure to, you know, have a kid by this time and I'll make sure I buy a house and do this. And what you quickly realize when you do stuff like that is that you're setting yourself up for failure in the mm. sense that you're trying to um, replicate a standard of marriage that one isn't unique because it's not yours, right? And, and two, isn't up to a standard of whatever it is that you believe in, right? Yeah. Whether it's God, whether it's you know Buddhism, whatever it is that you believe in, there's a standard that you that that you should be wanting to mirror and i'll tell you something it's not in the bodies that are walking on the streets those aren't the standards wow and and i find that it's difficult over and over again and what makes it more difficult is obviously um we're saying i'm going to say it again it's social media it's a lot of that but i do feel like we have to blame ourselves in some point because we have to have also um a type of control over our fingers <laughs> and to not
1: go on there um, Board and we look off we, we immediately instead of letting our minds wander we want to go and, and reach for our phone and look to see what what everyone's doing right right I had a friend who I was actually
0: texting yesterday and she asked me I had sent her pictures of my kids and she said your kids look like they have so much joy and so I hit her right back and I said we only take pictures when they're joyful And she could not stop laughing, but then I thought about it and it's true. Like, I don't take any pictures of my kids when they're crazy. Can you imagine if if we took pictures of ourselves when we were arguing with our partners? Can you imagine if we were taking pictures of ourselves when we felt we didn't look good? Like, obviously, like I, I know for me, I had a period where I hated pictures and it really killed me. It was about, it was two years, the first two years of my son's life. When you look back at the pictures, I'm in like five because I was only taking them. I wasn't in them because I had gone back to that middle school mentality where I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I felt. My urban outfitter jeans were so tight. I was going to die. It was just insane you know and then crop tops like resurfaced and i couldn't find the right shirt you know all that was available was like the five dollar old navy shirts and then, then sometimes i was super conscious about that because it made me feel like i was 40. i'm telling you like this is super real stuff that leads to being envious of others. And I feel like the only true way of evolving is taking a step back, like Maya was saying, and really doing some self-reflection. Because at the end of the day, if you don't stop to self-reflect and check your authenticity level, you will find yourself mirroring something that you don't want to be. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. When you wake you up and
1: you're not, not yourself. You probably want most of the stuff they do, whether it's their daily things they do for their career, you would not be happy there. Um, we talked about in the podcast with Talisa, was talking about praying for other people's favor or their faith level. I'm like, oh, that person looks like they're just so in it. I want to, I wish God, please give me that level of faith, that level. You don't want to go through what they went through to get that. You don't want what they have to get that. You don't know who they lost, what they lost, what they they had to crawl through to get to that level of faith in their God and trust in their, and trust in God. Like, you don't want that. That's not your calling. That's not your purpose. It's not your walk. You have your own. And if, if you're going to pray to the Lord, pray that he gives you the strength through your own struggles and through your own experiences that get you there, that get you to a level of faith or confidence and trust in the Lord that you feel content with. Not what everyone else looks like. That's wonderful. She looks so holy. That's wonderful. She looks so blessed. It's wonderful. She looks so rich but you don't think that's not necessarily for you. Again, like you were saying with family, Oh, I'll have kids and get married and stuff at this time. You know, me and Phil are a bit unorthodox in the way we did things. It seems like, okay, we're high school sweethearts. We met in high school, but that is not what that entails. High school sweetheart in the Disney movies is different. (laughs) Come on now. Those high school sweethearts, we were ratchet. We were wild. I went to college. He did not. He's, follow me, um, come to college a lot of the times, we broke up many a times, he <laughs> has a kid, he had a kid when we were teenagers, he's, you know, that precious boy, my stepson is 12, alive and well now. A lot of things were unorthodox, but it works, it was mm-hmm. ours, it's what works for us. Right. Our time out is walking around into a restaurant and eating, that is happiness for us, or to the park and having pineapples right. and that in any, brand or a branded visual like look <laughs> yeah. it's not, but that's that's what makes us happy we're not necessarily all you know on postcards and these crazy vacations and things like that but i'm really really satisfied sitting in the park laying down watching kids my kids play yeah that's with me yeah with a pineapple from a can <laughs> and put it in a pretty little container we all eating pineapples with toothpicks it's uh, wonderful
0: Maybe maybe we should retitle this Pineapple with Toothpicks. Pineapple
1: with Toothpicks. Pineapple Picnics. That's my life. I love
0: a good pineapple picnic. I, you know, Maya, you say something so profound, which is that there is so much danger in comparison because of the wish that you can ask for. I never thought about it that way. Like when you think about artists or celebrities and Mm. I was like a rapper and i so bad wanted to be drake nobody knows what drake went through to get yeah. to where he is and you know the same goes for oprah like i love yeah. her but i would not want to have gone because i've read her struggle i would not have want to have gone through that but yeah. i love her i admire her but i think you're right there's a fine line between admiration and wishing to be where somebody else is because if yeah. you do then you're wanting an exact replica of their hustle, of their journey, of the things that they did to get there. And get this, it's not just the hurt and the pain that they could have gone through. It's also the change in personality. They could have been a sweetheart and now they're not.
1: Yes, yes we all we all want their product. i just saw this in um a sermon i listened to yesterday we all want their product we all want the product of what we all see and deem as this is so wonderful we want jada and will's life or maya angelo's you know notoriety and her bill and writing and all these different people and then we want the product mm-hmm. of what we all revere and and um and congratulate now but none of us none of us even acknowledge the process mm-hmm and it is a process to get there we're in a process ourselves every day of our lives yeah just stick with your own process you don't want to add somebody's process to yours and then we all need to acknowledge a process got them there mm-hmm. that's the product they chose based off the process they went through right and you can't have one without the other
0: so maya what would you say to somebody that feels stagnant that feels like I've been open to it. I'm authentic. I cleared to- you know toxic people out of my life. And now I'm here standing waiting with open arms for the next step. And I just feel stagnant. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm on the fence of bitterness, because when is it going to be my turn? What would you say right. to somebody?
1: I say faith without works is dead. Like in the beginning, I I've just found my faith again through this pandemic. I always believed in the Lord and I pray before I eat and I pray before I slept, but I didn't, I didn't delve into, I, when I was a kid, I told Lisa this, when I was a kid, I used to actually like, I was introduced to church and I loved it so much This church I was going to that even when my parents didn't feel like it, I would walk to the church myself. That was like a good mini mile walk and they would let me cause you know, lock and key, Kid, and they let me walk in. I just felt the need and urge to go there. It was my first love as Kirk Franklin likes to say in his song and years and years went by and I kind of distanced myself from the Bible and the word and all these different things. And now I'm back in it. Now I'm back in it. Um, Talisa would always say when it came to our podcast, she is the faith and I'm the works.
0: Mm-hmm. So she's
1: always been like into the Bible. How I used to call her holy and she and she wanted me to be on that level of faith, but she didn't she never said it because she didn't want to push. She yes. wanted me to find it on my own. And thank God I have. But the the standard still still stands. Faith without works is dead. Yes, you can do all these things and, and put yourself in a in a right position, get rid of toxic people, but you can't sit around waiting for something to necessarily come and crash and here you go, there you go, there, there it is what you wanted. You gotta look, you gotta research, you gotta stop and think. What makes me happy? That's the first like clue. What makes me laugh? What makes me joyous? Is it that type of movies that I watch? Is it that show? Is it that book that I read that I really really love? Why does that make me happy? Do I feel like I want to write something like that? Do I feel like I want to publish other people's works like that? Do I feel like I want to read that for the rest of my life? Maybe I need to be an editor. Who knows? But you have to first you take the little hint of what's made you happy right. and you kind to climb up that ladder to try to find out how you can, can sustain that happiness through whatever it is you're trying to accomplish how you can find that walk of purpose that is yours, that process that is for you. Right. But that's why I would say start what makes you happy and then slowly kind of figure out up the ladder, how you can incorporate that into your life, whether that's making money or not. Cause I also read a book. I have to um, find the title, but it was also about artists and just creativity. Right. And she talked about how she like she's creative in a lot of ways um does a lot of different things right but her main thing was that she had to come to a point where she didn't associate her creativity with her financial success mm. and making her job she had a moment where she realized that this makes me so happy but when i apply it to make me money make me money make me money make me money put it out there now make me money it was like the happiness and the joy of it all started to fade away because she put right. on the pressures of now sustain my life, my whole like life. I need you to be able to pay these bills. Beautiful, creative thing that I do. And did it slow to slow down? Slow yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you happy, work with that. Maybe it can make you some money with your authenticity, with your excitement of it, but do what makes you happy. That's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. and see where you go from that because there are people who do baking and they're full-blown teachers but baking makes their heart sing but they don't want to necessarily have the brick and mortar or the, sh- the stress right of you no know, clients who want these types of cakes right. but found something that fulfills them they walk in their purpose right. so that's what i would say um to anyone and it's a, and that's how you evolve you start there and you climb up and that's how you evolve. Not looking at someone else's product and happiness, not envying what they have, but seeing what you can have on your own for you.
0: Wow. Maya, that's such great advice because I think the biggest thing that we have to continuously remind ourselves with everything you've just said, including me daily, is a very simple five-letter word. Start. Just start. Right. Right. And I find that even with diets or lifestyle, you know, like I can't, I can't wait. right. I can't wait till Monday. I just have to start. I just have to start somewhere. And that really is the heart of evolving, is just to begin. Mm. You begin, everything will start to change slowly. Mm. And, and and you can start without certain expectations, right? You can start with forgiving yourself. You can start with understanding that you are just human, that you are not a machine, that you are good, that you are loved, that you are worthy, that you are magnificent, that you were made for more. And it doesn't matter what other people's evolution is currently, it does not matter if somebody else also from the project is now a doctor or if somebody else that you went to college with and sat is now a reporter, it does not matter. Those are their specific private journeys. Think about it this way. You asking to want their lives is you basically asking to open up the door while they're using the bathroom. That's how private it is. Mm. That's how private it is. You're wanting to enter private moments and private lives of people that even if you know you should not want you should want right. your own. And right. so I think for us is definitely gearing on that process of evolution that you've talked about. but honestly the best thing to do is to just start is to start, start and 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 the other best thing to do is turn the other no- the background noise off mm-hmm. turn other voices down. Um, it's just so important to do that
1: as well. Yeah, I, I saw um, a friend of mine mentioned you have. To, people are stressing out about everything that's going on now, and a friend of mine mentioned you had a social distance from social media, and it was just like, ooh, ooh, you right, you so right,
0: mm-hmm. you're
1: so right, because it doesn't bring anything. And when you stop and look, like, what does this bring? Right. <laughs> I spend more time searching for a good meme or a good laugh, than I actually do actually getting one. Like I end up. Going through all this toxicity and 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 ego and stuff when I look on social media just to get to that one meme or that one laugh and I'm like Jesus was that worth it? Now I got all this extra stuff in my head that I could have done without and for right.
0: what? Right. So what have you done in those moments you polluted your mind and yes. you polluted your heart with unnecessary things that stopped your evolving process. What yes. happens sometimes when we scroll through stuff or even when we talk to toxic people, that's a whole different podcast, but it basically pollutes our hearts and our minds. And it honestly doesn't make us be the best version of ourselves no. in order to be the best versions of ourselves. We need to start somewhere, Mm. To evolve daily and we need to be forgiving of ourselves. We just yes. do. Um yes. so Maya, before I let you go, I'd like to also give my um the people that I interview um about 10 seconds okay. to just tell me everything that you've learned that you want to put out there from birth till now. 10 oh seconds. Oh god. Ready, set, go.
1: Oh, uh... <laughs> Um, from birth until now, I've learned to um, love myself and love what I can put out there into the world and just combine the two. Learn to love yourself and utilize that to put it out into the world.
0: All right, Maya, I had a blast having you on here. Hey, I hey. want to tell you that I love you. I admire you. I'm so happy that we met at the Film Bureau many, many years yeah, ago. And yeah. watching you over the years build your family, have your baby, get married. You know, I just, I really, really love you. I admire you. And I thank you so much for just taking the time to be with me, have a couple chuckles, and, you know, be featured on ODAT. Thank you so much. You're we welcome. love you guys. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thank you Karina, thank you.